Reset for me has been interesting. I grew up thinking that uh, Jesus was perfect. I'd heard Jesus was sinless. I thought I kind of knew what that meant. And uh, suddenly going through Reset, I, I realized at one point that I thought that Jesus was perfect. And I realized all of a sudden that perfect wasn't really a compliment. Like when I say to somebody, oh, you're so perfect, I didn't really mean that as a good thing. And so I'm sitting in my Reset group, and one of the guys across the table from me goes, yeah, Jesus may not have committed a sin, but doesn't mean he didn't make a crooked table. And I really had to sit with that. And uh, now I've been considering what it looks like that uh, maybe he wasn't perfect, like he was human. And had he lived today, he probably wouldn't have made every shot on the basketball court. And I'd like to hang out with that Jesus a lot more than the one I thought was perfect. Before Reset, I had questions and, and doubts about you know what God wanted and who he was. And after Reset, or since going through Reset, I found that it's okay to have those and that he, he wants us to have those because that gives him an opportunity to, to show us who he is and show us um, that he cares and uh, allows us to grow closer to him. Prior to Reset, um, you know, I just, um, uh, my concept of Jesus was just that which I was taught. You know, he was the son of God. He came here to give his life. Uh, for the forgiveness of all our sins. And uh, in retrospect, through this process of reset, I really come to realize that it's a much, much grander picture and really that he is um, a person uh, who was, well, that he was God incarnated into a person, somebody we could relate to that was here to teach us um, both through his preaching and through his example. Before reset, I felt like Jesus owed me a payback for what I've I've given in my life. I feel like I've sacrificed over and over again, putting others before myself, loving people that um, maybe didn't deserve my love, and I felt like because I'm living up to this standard that he needed to make the plans I have for my life come true. And so Jesus has reset fairness to me. He has shown me that it's not about getting what I deserve, it's about because of his goodness, he is going to give me more than I could have ever imagined because of his love for me and not because of the things that I can do to attain that. Before reset, I think it's safe to say I would take the easy way in most things that came to me. And when I received my grace challenge, it was to give someone a gift. And um, the easy thing popped into my mind to write a check to someone or help somebody out that I knew uh, close by. And the more I thought about it, it didn't really seem like much of a challenge. So about middle of the way through the week, I got an email from a friend of mine who lives out of town, and she was um, going through some personal troubles. I went to my reset group Friday night and threw a bag together in about 10 minutes and left late Friday night and drove to South Carolina through the night and surprised her uh, by showing up Saturday morning at her house. I think it was... It was what God was telling me to do. Um, I tried to talk myself out of it several times. <laughs> like, this is crazy. What are you doing? Um, and I just kept hearing, you know, faith is an action. As a verse in Luke 6, uh, we read, it said, uh, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend money to those, uh, and not expect to be repaid for that. And that's challenging enough for me, hypothetically, but I actually had someone who has owed me money in the past uh, few months, and showed no intention of paying that back to me. And I felt like Jesus was challenging me and inviting me 
to uh, show mercy and let this, let this go and be unfair to him. And after wrestling this for a couple of weeks, I was finally able to tell this person, you no longer owe me this money. You no longer owe this debt. And it has reset my, my, um, my idea of fairness and how I treat other people fair and how Jesus treats me unfair and how I think he invites me to treat other people unfairly and, mercy, and with mercy. How good is that song, huh? How good is that? <clears throat> Robbie uh, wrote that song with some help from some others. And uh, there's a one line in there that I know is somewhat controversial for some. It says, you purely love the whore. Uh, some people uh, uh, accuse us of just kind of going for shock value all the time. Sometimes we do. But uh, oftentimes, most of the time, it's a matter of just being guttural and just right from the gut. And, um, and that's what Jesus did. Didn't make it nice, didn't pretty it up. That's what he did. He loved people who, who were in those sorts of situations. In fact, we had a woman after the first week come up and, and said to Robbie, she said, man, I'm so glad that you have that verse say what it is because that verse exactly describes me. That's what I am or what I was. And uh, I'm just thankful for that. We're, we're, we're recapping today and revisiting some of the key learnings we've had in the Reset Journeys. The most important thing Crossroads does every year is the overall journey. And so we're just going to step back and just kind of sit in some of the things that have happened and just try to have this message sink deeper into us. This is not the instantaneous change journey. So some people, though some people have been instantaneously changed. This is a reset. Hit the reset button. Go back to the beginning and start building our life with God, our life with Jesus, uh, the way it can really thrive after the... Uh, prayer experience that we had, and you could see some of the artifacts, the prayer experience up here. Uh, we could also take at the end of that and write on the card some of our impressions of what we had in the midst of that prayer experience. And some person wrote on a card this. They said, I tried to experience Jesus, but there must be something I'm not understanding or receiving. I can't seem to feel Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm so alone. I love this, just guttural, straight from the heart. This is, you know, this is where I really am. For a lot of us, there has been significant, significant change that's happening or is taking root. And for others of us, we're not sensing something. At least this person wasn't three quarters of the way through the journey. And I'm reminded of this, that when we do a journey or we do anything as part of Crossroads or anything that you do to get closer to Jesus, nothing is guaranteed to make you feel better. But for sure, you're not going to feel something if you don't try. Jesus isn't a genie. Jesus isn't a genie, and if you rub the lamp, you can just automatically expect certain things. At the same time, you will never have something if you don't rub. <laughs> you, rubbing doesn't guarantee, but for sure you're not going to have it if you aren't going through motions to try to encounter God. I was thinking about this in a famous quote by Wayne Gretzky, arguably the greatest hockey player of all time. Of course, unless you're in Pittsburgh, then it's no questionably Mary, Mary Lemieux. But uh, Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You know, some of us took a shot in the midst of reset and, you know, it, it maybe it, it didn't work. Something or nothing's really earth shattering for us. A lot of us took shots and, man, we're feeling it. But for sure, if you didn't take a shot, you feel no different. This is the way spiritual growth is. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. God is unpredictable. You can't refine him down to various steps. But yet, if you don't engage, nothing can happen. As I went through this, uh, this, this journal... I, I, was, I was struck by the, the, the page with the, well, it's not in here anymore because we're supposed to rip it out, with the, with the fire extinguisher. Remember that one where we were supposed to write down things that we had done that were just not 
honoring to God and just were not good things and ripped that thing out. Man, I couldn't get rid of that thing fast enough. I, <laughs> if I had that around too often, someone found that I might actually get fired. So I had to make sure I fired that thing up, flushed it down the toilet. But I, I went through that exercise and I've done exercises like that a lot before. And so I sort of went into it with this thing of, oh, okay, I've done this before, here we go. But yet it was fresh to me. It was fresh. I took that shot and it was fresh. There have been fresh things that have been happening throughout our entire community, throughout people's lives. I've also come to a, a fresh appreciation of a weekend service. I have a, a, two groups. One was on a Monday morning with a bunch of guys I'm in a, I've been in a men's group with forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And so we did a reset and actually put some, some fresh life into our group. And then I did another one on Thursday afternoons with some guys that I play basketball with that really have um, no crossroads connection, little church connection, and said, let's just try this and see, see how they respond. And, and a bunch of guys did it because there has been a friendship, a relationship there for, in some cases, 13 years or so. And it was really, really neat to experience Jesus in fresh ways by reaching out and being around fresh and unique people. How many of us really enjoyed that small group experience, huh? Wasn't that, wasn't that neat? Get, get, hey, and if you're a host, let's thank the hosts in here who just really stepped out and did that. We took shots. We took shots. And a lot of us, man, they hit. And we are the better for it. A lot of the shots hit some of these folks that we're continuing to see in these videos. Let's take a look at some other mini stories. During the course of the reset journey, um, I think I discovered that if I'm honest with myself, um, I still, I operate under the assumption that Jesus is more concerned with what I do than with who I am. And I think that during the reset journey, uh, I came to a better understanding that that's not the way it is, that, uh, Jesus is more concerned with me and uh, with how he created me than with the things that I do. There was a lot I, I used to think I needed to change in myself. There was a lot I, I thought I needed to, um, like I wasn't good enough. I had to be a better person. I had to um, repent my sins. I, I had to change who I was before I could be accepted, before I could be loved. And and to, to, to hear and, and read Jesus saying, no, you're good enough. I don't, I don't care about any of that. I couldn't love you more. I, I finally really honestly believed it. The recent journey for me has, has been realizing that fear really is a part of my life and it rules my life in ways that I didn't even recognize before the reset journey. Um, and so it's not one of these that in six weeks I've got this nice little package and everything's wonderful. It's, it's that in six weeks I've realized what, what fear has done for me and, and I need to take that and see what God can do with that. Before the reset journey, I lived in this place of wanting to be more like Jesus and exhibit patience and love and peace but always felt like there was something I needed to do. I needed to read the Bible more or have certain friends in order to have that. And the week that we read John 15 just really showed me that all I have to do is abide in Jesus and those things will naturally come from me. I've learned lots of different things during the reset journey. Something I feel like I just learned uh, through the prayer experience 
was, um, you know, I really have been resonating with this idea of Jesus as a branch and needing to be connected to him. And uh, yet I've still kind of distorted that um, visualization he's given us. And I gravitate right towards the being pruned, like, okay, you got to correct me. And this is what's wrong with me pulled out. And I feel like that's kind of some of the baggage I have uh, from a worldly perspective. And that uh, during the prayer experience, I just felt like uh, Jesus was telling me, hey, um, just be connected to me first and worry about receiving from me first. We'll get to that pruning later on, but I want to make sure you're healthy and you can withstand uh, some of the correction I have for you. But, you know, receive first. Don't feel like you have to be um, pruned and corrected right away to be connected to me. I've really been struck with how often I can, instead of seeking first the kingdom or seeking first um, Jesus, my relationship with God, um, um, seeking him first, asking him how, what does he think about this? What does he think about this decision that I want to make? That I can oftentimes put myself in the place of the kingdom and saying, well, I'm going to seek the things that I want first, and then if I have anything left, then I will ask God about that, or then I will focus my relationship with Jesus. Before Reset, I, um, I had a good relationship with God, and I felt like it was um, progressing, but I never really looked at God as... Um, and Jesus as a familial type of relationship. I didn't consider God a father. I had a father, and he was awesome, so I didn't need that figure in my life. And I didn't look at Jesus as a sibling or brother, because I have brothers, and they're also figures in my life. And so I kind of always had just a general view of you know, God as a creator, God as someone who loved me and took care of me, um, but I never really equated that to God being my family. Before Reset, I always looked into my conscience for as a guide to my life, and I never realized how big of a part Jesus, God, plays on my conscience, that he is actually inside of me basically directing me. I always took it as me trying to see the better of things and I've come to realize through this process that Jesus is a huge, is my conscience. What I got out of the um, reset journey and the prayer experience was um, in the altar room. And when I went in there, I went around and looked at all of the altars and read them all and discovered that they were all me. And that's kind of hard to take. But um, the one that struck me the most was... Um, the one on reputation, and I know that I am someone that seeks approval from people, and um, I just don't want to do that because I know that Jesus loves me, and um, I got it up here, but it's not in my heart yet, and until those two are aligned, I won't be free. Mm, great learnings. Great. Yeah, you can applaud those. Uh, this isn't, wasn't called the freedom journey, but the word free comes up a lot. We have a little wall from the tomb room in the, in the prayer experience. Freedom is written down on, on the back of it here. You set me free. Thank you for loving me so much. Lord, thank you for saving my soul and for loving me. Thank you for blessing me, protecting me, even though I don't know, even though I didn't know you. Now, 
I start knowing you. You are life. I am alive. And great, great things up here. People being reset and actually touching in their heart. I feel like I might have had somewhat of a breakthrough. Maybe, maybe it was encapsulated for me on Tuesday when I was watching all of these series of videos. And uh, Brett was the one who talked about uh, abiding and the branch being pruned. That comes from John 15. And as I listened to him talk, I thought, wow, that's really sad. I, I do that too. In that whole series, that book on abiding in John chapter 15, there's all kinds of things in there about bearing fruit, things in there about receiving light, things of just being attached to God. It's a beautiful, wonderful metaphor. Yet at the same time, there's, a, there, there's, there's the pruning. And for some reason, when I read that, I always go to the pruning one. I'm like, what is it about sick, twisted me that I'm always thinking that if I get closer to God, he's going to whack me. He's going to lop something off for me. You know, God will whack me. He'll lop the stuff off. That's part of the pruning. But I always err towards thinking that's what God's going to do in me. That, if I'm always feeling that way, it's hard to be fully free and to feel close. Um, and some things have begun to be, not have, have been reset for me. Another thing is this conundrum or this um, stratification, if you will, between two kinds of Jesuses. Classic Jesus and conundrum Jesus. Classic Jesus is the Jesus that I learned and received when I was 15 years old and I knelt on some frozen wooden steps of the hills of Pennsylvania when I received Jesus into my life. I said, Jesus, I want to commit my life to you. Would you send your spirit inside of me? I want to just honor you as best as I can. Would you forgive me? An amazing thing happened there. That was the moment when all of my sin, all of my garbage, all my rebellion got transferred onto Jesus while he's on the cross, and he died for all those things, so I don't have to die for all those things. And that was the moment that all of Jesus' goodness, all of his righteousness got transferred to me. That's classic Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, even though I hate that song, yes I do, but I still know it. That song, um, that's, sort of, that's sort of classic Jesus. That's true. But then there's also conundrum Jesus. Conundrum Jesus, who says things like, turn the other cheek. Someone takes your... Your shirt, give him your, give him your cloak as well. And you're thinking, well, well, why? So I'm just allow people to beat me up? I'm just not supposed to have any possessions? Well, how does that work? Conundrum Jesus, who says to somebody, if you read in the book of Luke, hey, you, um, everything you have, you need to divest yourself of all of your assets, give it away to the poor if you want to have a relationship with me. That's conundrum Jesus. Oh, gosh, is that what I'm supposed to do? He only says it one time to one guy. He doesn't go around saying it to everybody all over the place, yet he did say it once. That's a conundrum. Am I supposed to do that? Am I doing enough? What else am I supposed to go? There's these classic tensions. And some of us need to embrace classic Jesus. We've never even known classic Jesus. We've just known basic spirituality Jesus who isn't the real Jesus at all. And some of us, we've embraced classic Jesus, but there's this whole new depth of understanding and the conundrums of who Jesus is and his character that gives us a deeper understanding of who he is. It's like my wife and I, we've been married for 20 years. I still don't know her. I know her better, but I don't fully understand her. She doesn't fully understand me either. The more you get to know somebody, the more you realize there is to learn. And man, it's a bummer for some of us. We just feel like, yeah, I got that. I understand that. No, you don't. You know Jack. You don't know anything. You really don't. The moment you think you got Jesus figured out, you really are, are clueless. 
Because there's different, different aspects of his personality, different aspects of his will for all of us that really, really shed light on the character of God. If, if it takes you a while to get to know me, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lame and pretty shallow. <laughs> How long is it going to take to understand the intricacies and the depths of who Jesus is, the, the conundrum Jesus? One of the reasons why people didn't receive him in the early days was the conundrum the, cl the classic Messiah was to be the one who would come and rescue, but the conundrum Messiah was going to be the one who was going to come riding a donkey. Next week is Easter, and um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. Encourage you, man. Just, just think about uh, inviting somebody who is not a churchgoer and doesn't normally do that thing. I, I think uh, we're all going to be in for something really special next week. It's going to be going to be good. But Easter Sunday is a day that Christians across the globe celebrate Jesus actually coming back from the dead. And Palm Sunday is a week that people celebrate when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, the place where he was to be killed and crucified. And classic Messiah comes into Jerusalem. He actually is fulfilling a prophecy of coming in on a cult, fulfilling a prophecy that was written hundreds and hundreds of years earlier about the Messiah. That's classic. But at the same time, it's also conundrum Messiah. What? Riding a donkey? God's Savior, the Messiah, riding a donkey. Now, if you're going to come in and do some saving, you need to be on a white horse or a black stallion, something, you know, big and manly. This is, this is crazy. Well, what is it? It's, it's a conundrum. It's a conundrum. See, they're thinking that he's coming just to set the Jews free from the tyranny of Rome. And he's saying, well, I, I, that, that's a good thing. But really, I'm about something way, way bigger and way, way broader than that. He comes in, it's called Palm Sunday because people are waving palms, putting them down on the ground. They're waving palms because in the Maccabean revolt led by Joseph Maccabeus years and years earlier, uh, the palm branch came to be the, G, uh, the, the Jewish flag, if you will. So when he comes in and people are waving palms, they're saying, you are here to liberate us from Rome. Yes, you are. You're here to liberate us from Rome. And yet he's a conundrum. He's like, man, uh, uh, I'm going to let that one wait a while. I'm here for something much bigger. I'm here to liberate you from your sin. I'm here to liberate you from your addictions. I'm here to liberate you from a life of futility, being separated ultimately from me in eternity. It's conundrum Jesus. When you figure him out, he throws you a curveball. I love that. I love that he is that deep. God is that vast that I can be in a learning and an experiencing journey forever, forever. Let's take a look at some other stories. Well, I, I think the, one of the major things that I came to reconsider as a result of the reset journey was the whole idea of prayer. Um, I've seen prayer do some amazing things over the years, um, but I have to admit that, that personally when I come up against a situation or a problem or something, the first thing I do is I start to think about what can I do to solve it. Then when all else fails, I think, well, I guess I, I'll just have to pray about it kind of like prayer is the last resort. And that's kind of came to me that that's really sort of an insult to God. And uh, it's also really pretty backwards. Uh, the first thing I should do is pray. Before reset, I really struggled with people pleasing and conflict. I was afraid of conflict. And after reset, uh, I feel like Jesus has really told me that when I'm rejected by people or not liked by people, I actually have an opportunity to become more like him. Reset for me, I came in with a lot of assumptions that I didn't know I had. Like, 
um, pray, gotta answer your prayers, but you have to have a plan behind the prayers that you, you're praying for. And so I would say, God, I want this. This is how I want you to do it. This is when I want you to do it. And before reset, I thought I was, you know, I was a perfect Christian. <laughs> I was doing all the right things, saying all the right things, volunteering, giving money. And until my reset group and really reading and coming to the reset services, it really kind of broke it down. Adrienne, Jesus loves you. And you don't have to do anything extra to receive God's love, but receive it. One thing I realized uh, before reset um, I kind of operated under this idea that Jesus and God and they were all in this, you know, one big happy family. And as, I, as I've gone through Reset, the thing I've come to understand is how much my relationship with my dad and my grandfathers and how, how much they've really colored how I see God and Jesus and how I can relate really well to kind of a young Jesus. Um, he seems like a cool guy I want to hang out with, and I'm really good with that. But I'm not really okay with how I see God in that and how, uh, how my relationship with my dad and how my relationship with my grandfathers have really influenced my relationship with Jesus. Before Reset, I really didn't believe that I could hear from God or that I was doing something wrong maybe because I didn't feel like my relationship with Jesus really looked like anyone else's. Right now what I'm coming into believing is that I can and I do hear from God and I'm just discovering what that means and trying to listen. When I first started Reset, growing up in a Christian home from birth, I saw Jesus as, okay, this figure who did these things in the Bible, and I'm just supposed to believe it. But after Reset is when I really started to see him as a friend, as a comforter, as someone that's real, that's with me. Well, before Reset, I thought that my neighbors would get offended if I was talking to them about Jesus. But I learned that you could actually... Um, have a conversation with your neighbors about him, and they don't get offended. In fact, they engage a whole lot more than we have ever before. Reset uh, served to uh, change my whole idea of how to praise God. Uh, before, I thought you had to say things like, oh, how beautiful the trees are, and how wonderful the animals are, and look at that beautiful sunset, and that got kind of boring, and uh, I re when I realized that thanking God also was praising Him, it uh, it became easier for me. Uh, I hope more interesting for God, and it certainly became more interesting for me. In the reset journey, uh, I went through uh, a, a real prayer experience where I I came to the place where I realized that a lot of my assumptions about God were were wrong. I realized for the first time. I was good enough for God, and I, I didn't have to be a slave. I didn't have to work. God wasn't requiring it from me. And I realized if I was good enough for God, the mighty Son of God, that that was enough for me. And I didn't have to be a slave anymore. It was better to be a son. Classic Jesus in the midst of a conundrum. <laughs> a conundrum. How, how can somebody who never deserved to die, die? How could God choose to lose momentarily? A conundrum. Yet classic brilliance of God planned to adopt into His family. And we just had a moment, beautiful moment, where people nailed themselves as being a part of God's family. People like Mary Lemmink, 
Gloria, Barbara, Michael Richard, Dave Miller, Conundrums, classic, brilliant move of God. Thank you. Uh, thank you, God. Uh, we don't want to be accused of ever not being thankful. So in this moment right now, just hear us say thank you. I've also uh, come to see maybe more than ever in a renewed way how important it is for people to gather every week to be spurred on. We had 50 other churches do the same thing that we were doing simultaneously. Isn't that cool? 50 other churches all over the place. And, uh, and we intentionally created our materials without a Crossroads logo on it. We made sure that nobody in those videos ever said Crossroads in it so they could be used at all different churches, different places. Um, and we even created like the guides and everything with the assumption that not only might you not go to a church service, but you, and you may not even watch any of the services on the web, but maybe you don't even go at all, but you engage. And we created that way. And I, had, I know I had, in our Thursday group, we had, we had a bunch of people that just didn't, weren't going to church at all, and, and it was good for them. But I, I noticed the first time really first time, again, that, man, without a regular discipline of gathering someplace on a weekly basis, you, you, you're not taking a shot. It doesn't always good. It's not always work out. But you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And I'm more committed than ever to have a centralized gathering place where we can all be recalibrated and taught things that we're not going to be taught anywhere else. And this is one of those moments that just hit us very hard. But yet at the same time, Today's breakthroughs can become tomorrow's strongholds. Today's breakthroughs can become tomorrow's strongholds. We can assume that because I've had a breakthrough, because I've had a moment, that's the way God always does it. I had an interaction with classic Jesus a long time ago with my breakthrough, but now I'm in a stronghold where I refuse to allow myself to see the conundrums and the depth of what it means to be committed to Him. I'm still way up back on the 101 stage. That breakthrough has caused me to be in bondage and not going on to a new place. Oftentimes when Jesus meets us in a very intense way, we assume he meets everybody that way. We assume everybody has to do what we've done. We assume everybody has to experience God the way we have. And it just doesn't work out that way. In Luke chapter 17, there's the story of Ten, um, ten lepers who, uh, we, I don't know if you remember this or not, but remember we went all the way through Luke, so I'll just kind of refresh your memory on this. Ten lepers, and these lepers were outcasts of the society. That society believed that if you had a physical ailment, you had a spiritual problem. That's why you had the physical ailment. And so nobody could be around you. So if you were a leper, not only were they afraid that they might catch their cooties. You guys ever do that in junior high, cooties? Does cooties still happen? They still do cooties? You know, like mentioning somebody's name and saying Jones germs or whoever it is. You know, am I the only one? Oh, okay. I am the only one or you did do that? No, okay. Um, well, that was the way it was with leprosy. It was like they assumed you had sin, sin germs. And so they were removed from being able to be a part of the Jewish community at large. And so Jesus sees 10 lepers and he says, hey, go show yourself to the priests. So on their way to see the priests, 
they're healed on the way there. Go to see the priest because the priest has to look at you and see that there's no sores to declare you, quote unquote, clean, that you can be grafted back into the normal communal life. The amazing thing is, Jesus didn't heal the same way he always had. He wasn't bound to the way things happened before. Sometimes he touches people and heals them. Sometimes he spits on the ground and creates mud and sticks it in people's eyes. This time he doesn't even touch them. He doesn't even touch them. He says, yeah, go show the priest. In fact, he doesn't even pray for him. He doesn't say, hey, let me pray for you while you're going. No, he says, just go show yourself the priest. Jesus does different things different ways. And I just want to continue to encourage all of us to keep looking for new ways to grow. Don't be stuck in the past experience we had, the past learning we had, waiting for that to duplicate itself. It's likely not to happen. Now, to help us go to new places, to go on, to have different experiences, some of the options we're going to have, Chuck Mingo is going to let us know about. Chuck, come on up. Chuck on staff, uh, oversees a bunch of the community groups and small groups. Also, uh, does a lot of speaking around here. And this is good. People can see that we're actually not the same person. We're not the same person. That is no, we're not. For people. They always confuse you know, us. You know? I don't understand I that. I get confused with that too. You know, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. Filthy Delphia. Okay, right? Filthy Delphia. But actually, you know, thinking about the two cities... No matter, no matter what, what, they're better but, than but, the Cincinnati oh, yeah. teams. I'm, rough. I'm that's sorry. Right. That's, that's enough. Shoot, we had this nice little <laughs> deal. There we go. That's right. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, yes. they're, all, they're all better than they're all the Cincinnati better. teams. They're all that's better true. than yeah. Cincinnati teams. That is true. So, <laughs> you can't deny that. We love Cincinnati, but Look come at on. the data. Look at the data. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Tell us some of the stuff that's yes. happening where people can go to the next step if they Absolutely. want to. Absolutely. Even if you are a uh, Cincinnati fan, there are definitely ways for us to continue Which to Which I am. I am too. They I'm just, just suck. I'm just but go ahead. I'm All right. <laughs> Enough on that. So yes. connecting after reset, like Brian said, hey, the spiritual growth is about continuing the move. And after reset, there's some specific things going on. Community groups, you can sign up today at the Info Center. You can also go online. But instead of just saying, hey, go and broadly think about community groups, I wanted to give you some ideas based on where you might be coming out of reset. So if you're a person who still has some questions about Jesus and who he is and how this whole Christianity or Christ-following life lines up to other belief systems. World Religions is a community group where you're going to be able to dive into that more with people who are at that same place in the journey. So I encourage you to do that. For some of us, this adoption thing really changed fundamentally our relationship with God and with Jesus. And we know now what that is all about. And if you're looking to say what's next for you, Welcome to the Revolution is the next step for you. It's a community group where you'll dive deep into what does it look like to have a life where you continue to pray and read the Bible and get involved in community and actually go and do things that are part of what Jesus calls us to do. And if you're a person who maybe is in relationship with Jesus and have been for a time, but you're still looking to continue to grow, two groups for you. One is the Grow Community Group, where we dive deeply into the spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, things like that, if you're interested in that. And also another group, Walking by Faith, which will kind of ground folks and, and continue to establish us in relationship with Jesus. So I wanted to encourage you guys on some specific next steps you can take to connect out of Reset. Two more things for you. One is today at 6.30, there's actually going to be a small group workshop. Maybe you actually like the people you spent the last six weeks with and you want to continue to hang with them. If that's the case, come back tonight for some ideas on how to continue to have a healthy group and get some ideas of some additional things you can study. And also next week, I'm not sure if you mentioned the Easter services that we're going to add oh, a service yes. on Saturday. So um, for those of you who are going to invite your friends, we're going to add a service here in Oakley on Saturday night. There'll be a 4.30 and a 6.30 service on Saturday. Sunday services will be at the exact same time and they'll be the exact same time in Mason. So just some great ways to connect coming out of Reset, including inviting your friends to be a part of what we're doing next week. All right. Awesome, Chuck. Thank you, Let's thank Chuck for the great job he does. Yes, he does. All right, what is 250? 
250,000. 250,000 is the amount of money that was spent on the reset journey to make this thing happen. And we're very thankful. We are very thankful that God has enabled us to be able to spend that money in the midst of this journey. I mean, a lot of times we come here and think, oh, yeah, this kind of stuff magically happens. No, it doesn't. That prayer experience we went through, that was $15,000 going through our prayer experience. We gave away all of our materials, even to other churches. We had them pay for the printing costs. We paid for all the design work, all the videos, staff infrastructure, web infrastructure, even beyond that stuff that you couldn't even add up in that, like to be able to have a studio to shoot things and all kinds of stuff. And we just want to say thank you to God for enabling us to be able to be crossroads in the midst of a difficult economy making this journey happen. Isn't that good? Thanks, God. Phenomenal. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and that's what we're about. You know what, what we're about but what, based on what you spend your money on? And Crossroads is about all of us, you growing. That's the main thing we do. And uh, it's been worth every dollar that's been spent. So uh, we're going to actually have, that's a, that's a good offering setup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, we're going to have volunteers come down and take up an offering. If you're new here today, no worries. Let it pass by. A lot of us give this way. A lot of us give uh, electronically, e-gift, various things. But just a way for us to, to be generous and to, to be uh, further engaged and uh, in, in the way that Jesus is, is, is impacting our life. While we do that, uh, we're going to do something that's really cool right now. We're going to do a, a block where we are praying, where we are singing, and we're, where we are contemplating. Looking at some of the actual stories on the prayer cards that came out of, uh, came out of, uh, out of the prayer experience. So God, um, thank you. Thank you for resourcing us. Thank you for uh, giving hosts. Thank you for giving materials. Thank you for giving creativity. Thank you for giving unity amongst all the churches that were a part of this. Thank you for having even more people do reset outside of Crossroads that are in Crossroads. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you for you. Thank you for the legacy, the classic conundrum legacy of truth and grace that you've left and that we walk in today. Hmm. Amen.